0: Here, that your soul may live, and I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. Behold, I made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and commander for the peoples. Behold, you shall call a nation that you do not know, and a nation that did not know you shall run to you, because of the Lord your God, and of the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord, that he may have compassion on him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts." The mountains and the hills before you shall break forth into singing, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress. Instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle. And it shall make a name for the Lord, an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. This is God's word.
1: God. Morning. We... uh... This morning is going to be a little bit of an odd duck in terms of, uh, because I'm not in the middle of a series, we will begin the new year, it'll be unveiled soon, we're going to go through, usually just go through a book of scripture, um, but right now we're just coming out of our Christmas season, and it's typically at the end, I know God isn't bound by calendars, but I am, I, I live by the calendar, so I will typically, uh, at the end of a calendar year, I will just spend time saying, God, is there something that I should be looking at as we enter the new year for for me? Uh, Occasionally I've had something that's been, I felt like is maybe something for the wider congregation that I've shared. Sometimes I don't really sense anything, sometimes just for me. Um, So I thought, because one of the regular questions that comes up is sort of how do you, how do I, how does anyone hear the voice of the Lord? I'm going to just go through with you briefly what, how I came out to a word that I feel like was for me, but I'm going to read it to you um, because it's not inappropriate or something. It's it's just I feel like it was for me. Maybe you'll send something in it, but I don't feel like it was for anyone else but for me. I'm going to sort of talk to you about the way I try to discern the Lord's voice, and then encourage you to do the same thing. And then we're going to finish by unpacking just a little bit because I've been reading Isaiah 55 uh, the last few weeks. Uh, I, I usually read devotionally one passage of Scripture many times in a shorter period of time. That's just the way I Go through things. And so, um, kind of peel back the curtain a little bit on the way at least I hear the Lord's voice. Um, so, before I read to you, I'll start by reading to you what I, I sensed God was saying to me. Um, and I, uh, because it's done in kind of a first person way, like I'm the Lord kind of way, I want to talk to you about prophecy because that it sort of comes out like that. And for those, it can be a little weird. To look at this, um, because we think of prophecy as sort of future predicting, and we think of it in maybe if you're biblically thinking of an Old Testament sense, if you're thinking just sci-fi, then the prophet is usually someone who says, this is what is coming, and that's not really what's happening here. So uh, in the Old Testament, when people prophesied, the prophets um, had no margin for error, right you got stoned if you were a false prophet it was a high price to pay because the holy spirit wasn't generally yet given in the, on the earth so they were the mouthpieces of god so they took it very very seriously that when they said this is what god says if there was mixed motives in there it was quite serious because this is the way the people the kings heard from god the priests, they heard from God through the prophets. So, there was some future predicting, and there was, been, there was also just a general word. This is what God wants you to know. When the Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost, it's generally released so that believers are filled with the, the Holy Spirit. Right? And the gifts of the Spirit are given. This is so much of what the New Testament talks about, is that you and I now get to do things that people prior to the giving of the Holy Spirit didn't get to do. One of them is prophecy. And sometimes people get like, straight, like, oh, I don't know that there's prophecy anymore. Well, turn with me. This is, a, this is a bonus. You don't have to pay extra for this. But we're going to do a little teaching on, uh, on gifts. First uh, Corinthians 14. We've just come out of the famous love chapter, which nobody has any problem with, you know, the love one another well, and this is what love is, patient and kind, etc. And then in the next, very next chapter, which of course there were no chapters, it's just a letter, the, uh, Paul says to the Corinthians, chapter 14, verse 1 of First Corinthians, pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. No problem especially that you may prophesy. Y'all pursue prophecy? Or y'all think, Lord, help me to prophesy. What does that even mean? Well, here's what it means. Verse 2, for one who speaks in a tongue, the gift of tongues was another gift given at the day of Pentecost, says speaks not to men, but to God, for no one understands him, but he utters mystery in the spirit. Now and listen. On the other hand, one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding, encouragement, and consolation—to upbuild, to encourage, and to consolation. To prophesy is to give, to speak God's word in a way that personalizes and gives us a sense of God's encouragement. The challenge and the consolation that comes in God's Word. So, for me, when I am journaling and when I'm writing down stuff, I'll often just ask God what He has to say to me, especially as I'm meditating on a portion of Scripture, and I'll often write it in a dialogue. The Lord, you know, I I love you, Tim, and I'll try to write my prayers back to God. So, here's what I felt the Lord was saying to me as I begin 2020. 2020. And uh, then we'll look at Isaiah 55. Are you hungry and thirsty? If you are, come to me and you will be satisfied. There's no cost to feast at this banquet, and you've never tasted anything like it. But Tim, you're neither hungry nor thirsty because you are already full You are so full as to sometimes be bloated, and yet you're not satisfied. You're filled with activities, with information, with goals, and with desires that sometimes fill you up and leave no room for my spirit. Haven't you read that those who hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled? Examine your life. Eliminate the junk food. These things entertain your spirit. Please you in the moment, but leave you sluggish and depressed. Stop filling yourself with daily meals consisting of that which doesn't nourish or satisfy. You will find when you stop consuming those things, you will soon become hungry and thirsty. This isn't a problem. It's an opportunity to enjoy the water, the milk, the wine, and the bread that refreshes and that nourishes. Consuming my word will be a nourishing joy rather than sometimes a burdensome duty. My table is filled with delicious challenges and life-producing callings. Come and eat. So this is my way of, of externalizing the Scripture that, as I was meditating on how the things that I feel God was pointing out to me. I say this only to say I would encourage you, part of the joy of the Christian life is hearing the active voice of God. Now, through the Scripture... Yes, the Scripture, this is not infallible. This is infallible. It's inerrant. This doesn't change. But when you hear the voice of the Lord made real to you, when it comes in a personalized way, you begin to form the relationship that God so wants. This, without the voice of the Holy Spirit, can become dry. You say, how how is that possible? Look at what he said to the Pharisees. You search the scriptures, right? Because you you think in them you have life, but it is in me. It is in the living word revealed to us in his written word that life comes. So I want to encourage you as 2020 begins to open up to the Holy Spirit speaking to you through his word and through his his voice that he would personalize a word for you. That word, I, I know some areas of my life that God's, putting his finger on. You could say, oh, what are they? My wife, as soon as I read this to my wife, she's like, oh, what was he saying? I'm like, that's for me to know. You get your own word. You all get your own word and let the Holy Spirit point to you. I'll tell her later, but it's personal. It's, you know, it's, it's something. But if, if we just come and do religious duty, if we just come without the Holy Spirit enlivening us, without those gifts being given to us, we're missing something so wonderful in the relationship. So I I want to encourage you in that as we start 2020. If you've got your Bible open to what Mike read in Isaiah 55, I want to just unpack just a few minutes because obviously the word that I was given came out of my looking at and my reading of Isaiah 55, I ripped this out of context and I get that. At some point we may go through, this is a response to what's called the servant songs of the Messiah being Proclaimed and predicted in in the prophet Isaiah, and these responses are to the nation of Israel. I get all that, but part of the joy of the Christian life is having God apply Scripture to 2019, not simply its historical context. Both are so important, right? But I'm not going to go in. I could spend a, a while kind of unpacking the historical context of this word given to Israel, but I want to this morning simply. Ask a couple of application questions for us this morning. This is an invitation given to the nation after their forgiveness for their rebellion against God has been proclaimed in Isaiah 54. In Isaiah 53, the suffering servant is revealed. In Isaiah 54, forgiveness is proclaimed for a rebellious people. And then in Isaiah 55, the invitation is given to come and lay claim on that. And so the question is this. Here's this banquet that God says he lays out. Three questions. Who are invi- who's invited to this banquet? What are they offered? And what are they told to do in order to get the food? How many of you all ate a lot over the last few days? Here's, with with without hesitation, right? You're raising your hands in confession. I did too. Here's the thing that's always surprising to me about that: we had wonderful food throughout the, la- the last few days. I was rarely hungry when I ate. You know, it's kind of like going on a men's retreat. You you sit and you listen and you pray and then you go eat again and then you come and you sit and you go. That's sort of what I felt like. I. And you know, there's something. Um, it was good, but when you're really hungry and thirsty, food and drink is different. Sometimes, if I've had something like super salty at night before I go to bed, and I'll wake up in the middle of the night or first thing in the morning, I am. I get up and I'm. I'm grabbing for my water, right? I keep water on my bedside table, and I'm just like, I've got to have it because it's created such a thirst in me, and, and it tastes so sweet. The banquet of the Lord is for those who are hungry and who are broke. Look at what it says. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, And he who has no money, come, buy and eat. Come, sensing a theme, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Let me just point out a couple things here. The come there is in an urgent grammatical position. In other words, it's uh, imperative. Come, come, come. There is no such thing as passivity in our faith. Right? We, sometimes it's nice to have food brought to us, breakfast in bed. Right? We are told to come to the table of the Lord. That means you're going to have to, I don't care what age you are, I don't care what your circumstances of life are, your spirit, you need to come. And you need to come expectant. And that means thirsty or hungry. Now for me, as as I shared with you that word, I think there are times when I just my life is so full and some of the things in my that fill up my life dull my taste buds. I'm just not hungry. And I, I don't know about you, I don't know if there's things that fill your life or not. Here's the way. I'm going to give you a little secret here. Here's how you become hungry and thirsty. Stop eating for a while, right? One of the reasons I fast, people say, well, I fast uh, and, and uh, go without food. And people say, so, so what happens when you fast? I get hungry. That's what generally happens every time I fast. I go without food for 24 or 48 hours. I, can, I don't know what else is going to happen during that time. I pretty much can guarantee you I'm going to be hungry. During that, maybe maybe you don't. And that's fine. Maybe there's a grace measure you have. But I get hungry. But you know what? Every time, the, one of the reasons I fast is that every time I feel that uh, in my stomach saying "eat," I think, "No, I'm. This is that." Reminds me to go to the Lord, and it pushes me back to God. So for me, and if if this is applicable for you, apply it. If it's not, don't. But my as I begin to try to eliminate a few things from my life that I think are are causing me to be filled, and I think, oh, I'd like to do that thing. Oh, well, this is a time to be hungry, to be thirsty, to come to God with the expectation that he will fill me and satisfy me. So who are invited? The hungry and the thirsty. Very simple question. Do you desire... And I mean, do you have a desire for more of God and his spirit in your life? Who gets to come? Those who are broke. This is harder for us. We're we're all very wealthy. I know you may not feel wealthy, but you are. Worldwide, we're very, very wealthy in that sense. And there is a sense in which we have to acknowledge our need and our neediness. In the book of Revelation, the church, angel of the church in Laodicea, writes, These are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the originator of God's creation. I know your deeds. You are neither hot nor cold, how I wish you were one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to vomit you out of my mouth. You say, I'm rich. I've grown wealthy. I need nothing. But you don't realize that you're wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire that you may become rich. White garments so that you may be clothed and your nakedness not exposed. Salve to anoint your eyes so you may see. Those I love, I rebuke and discipline. All this comes because of God's great love for you. All this, maybe it sounds, maybe there's some conviction, certainly is for me. Even in this hard word that many of us have heard about being lukewarm, he says, those I love, I say this to. Therefore, be earnest and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and I'll eat with him. Here's this imagery again of dining and eating, just like in Isaiah 55, where it says, come, buy, and eat. The Lord's looking to dine with us, but we have to know you can't buy room at his table. So it says, interestingly enough, it uses the, it uses the word, come, buy wine and milk in verse 1. Come by without money? Hold on. How do you buy without money? How? How do you buy without money? Just. Have you ever gone in? I've been blessed at times. <clears throat> in Orlando, we had a friend who uh, owned a restaurant, a seafood restaurant, in the church we served in down there. And he said, basically, he said, "Here's here's my manager's card." Go get anything you want. It's like a seafood buffet. Just show them the card and it'll, you know, basically put it on my tab. I had to go and buy it. I couldn't just pick anything I wanted. I needed to go and show Kelly's card. But I could get anything I wanted it there, and it didn't cost me a penny. We get to come and partake of all the good things because Jesus has given us his credit card. He's given us the ability to come and feast and to, what does this mean? What, what am I talking about? It's because, see, when you're hungry and thirsty, there's a, a sense of, I, I want to be satisfied. I want to be filled. And we live in a world with such dissatisfaction and such purposelessness. Why? Why do we even go about doing the things we do? And the Lord wants to grant you purpose. He wants to grant you satisfaction in your work and in your family. And he gives you his card to buy the water of life, the milk that nourishes, the wine that gives exhilaration and joy, and the bread that feeds you. He wants to give give it to you. It's no cost to you. It's free and it cost him everything. So you can't get this without taking Jesus' life. So who's invited? The hungry, the thirsty and the broke? What are they offered? Well, we've talked about that Already, you're offered a place at the table. You're offered refreshment and nourishment, reason for being. You're offered the joy, the, fruit, the joy of the Holy Spirit, the, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You're offered a life that's beyond your comprehension. You're offered a real relationship with the living God who created you. And created the universe. You're offered that. You offer the highest quality of life. Incline your ear to me, it says in verse 3 and come to me and hear that your soul may live. I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. Again, he sets his love on you if you're willing to receive it. Finally, what are the people told to do in order to get it? Going back, active faith, not passive. They're told to come, to buy, to eat, and to delight. Two more comments and I'll be finished. This may not come the way you think it will. There aren't any formulas in Christianity, at least that I've found, that work out 100% every time. My ways, it says in verse 8, my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declare the Lord. You can sculpt your Christian life all you want to. This is the way you think it should go. God laughs and he does what he wants because he's God and you're not. And his ways are higher and his thoughts are higher. And I know that's frustrating and you wish God looked more like you, but that's called idolatry when you make God into your image. Christianity is when he makes us in his image. And his ways aren't our ways and his thoughts aren't our thoughts And as high as the heavens are above the earth, so are his ways higher than our ways, his thoughts higher than our thoughts. And finally, it says, as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, don't return but water the earth. In other words, the water that is happening right now is producing something good in the earth. And it's not going to just come down and go back without changing. It makes the the grass flourish. It preps for the spring. Last week they had this huge snowfall. We lived in Southern California, and you know it's never really snows there. But up in the mountains, just a few hours, the snow came down several feet of snow up at Big Bear and all that. And it it was terrible in the one sense in that it created havoc, but You see, with a a place that's parched like Southern California, that's the water they live on the rest of the year. And here's what the Lord says. Listen to this. His word is coming down to those who are hungry and thirsty and who, like little children, open their mouths for the rain to come. And it will nourish you in the dry times. Because, see, when the snowpack... And the California mountains melt. Everybody gets to drink during the spring and the summer and the fall when it doesn't rain. And the word of the Lord never returns void. Here's what it says. Verse 11, My word that goes forth from my mouth won't return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that purpose for which I have purposed it, and it shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. My fondest wish is that you would grow in your faith, that it wouldn't be something that would just be a peripheral something in 2020, but that the word of God would revolutionize you and that God himself would make a relationship with him so real to you that you would feast all year long out of your hunger and thirst. You'd be so hungry and so thirsty. And he did this so that you shall go out with joy, it says at the end of this chapter. You're to eat and drink so you will go out with joy and be led forth with peace. So the mountains and the hills will break forth before you into shouts of joy. Where you go, life in our troubled world can change, because you bear the water and the bread and your Gunadan, you're the water carriers of the water of life to a nation and a region that needs it so badly. and where you go, the mountains and the hills can break forth into shouts of joy. You change the landscape if you bring the kingdom of God to bear, but you won't do it in your own strength. You'll do it with God's word having filled a hungry heart. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, your word says that the briars and the thorns that this world is filled with are to be changed into cypress trees, into palms, into beauty, because we go out filled with your word. And that what is totally unproductive and frustrating becomes productive and life-giving. And Lord, we're the agents of that change when we receive the gifts that you've given us. Lord, would you speak fresh words to us? Would you make your word Come alive to us, that as we read it, it's not simply following written rules, but it's the breath of God breathing life into our spirits. Let those here who have ears to hear, let them hear what the Spirit says, Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the water you don't have money come buy and eat why do you spend your money for that which isn't bread lord let the bread of life be so precious to us the word of god so precious to us that you create hunger and thirst in our hearts that you and you alone shall satisfy Lord, no more let sin and sorrows grow, no more let thorns infest the ground, for you've come to make your blessings flow as far as the curse is found. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your coming. Thank you for bringing life to us. It's in your name we pray. Amen.